So let's recall. We have been left, we left off last time with a question. After all the explanations, we left off with a question. In this Maimer of Shlach, Tovshin Tesvav by the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Shlach 1955. What was the question that we were left off with? There was a long explanation about the nature and the relationship of what we, what, what we call Seichel, Machshava, and Midas. Seichel means my ideas, even my perspectives, even my values. These are ideas that I consider to be true. Machshava is thought, my thoughts. Midas, what are Midas? So the Maimer explained that Midas are really deeper than all ideas. Because ideas are what my mind discovers, realizes, discerns, explores, dissects, and reaches certain conclusions. So this is something in the in the terminology of Chassidus that my soul possesses. He says, Midas is not what my mind possesses or cultivates or, dis- or, or discovers. It's rather what my mind is. Or in the language of Chassidus, it's not what my soul possesses. It is my soul. And that's why we translated it as primal drives. Primal drives are the Midas. These are not, these are pre-verbal. These are pre-thought. This is me. If you remember the language that was used, I hope, I hope you had a chance to review it. If you didn't have a chance, it would still be a very good idea to review it. He said that Midas are his, are his galos, Words. <laughs> Words are very potent, very powerful. Midas are a mirror of characteristics, of drives that are embedded, that are rooted in the core of my soul. And he said, you, you have to respect them. You can't change them. Ideas, you always want to open them up to growth. You always want to open your brain to, to new information, to new data, to new angles, to new perspectives, to a new layer of depth. A mind that remains stuck and says, the truth of yesterday remains the truth for eternity is a mind that is paralyzed, that is not doing its function. The whole idea of sech, I'm talking here the mind in terms of its capacity to, to learn about reality. Whatever that reality is, it could be science, it can be physics, it could be psychology, it could be philosophy, it could be cosmology, it could be astrophysics, it could be geology, botany, be about yourself, about your life, about your job, about your marriage, about your children, about your, your emotions. The job of Seichel is always to discover and explore more. And you may discover, like Columbus, you may discover one day the Americas. It's always a path of self-discovery, discovery of reality. I always want to look 
to go one step deeper, to maybe focus on a detail that I haven't realized, to, to discover new things, to rediscover old things, but cast a new light on them. It's full of shinuyim, it's full of changes. That's the vitality and the beauty of seichel, of learning, the intellectual pursuit of mankind collectively and individually. The worst, the worst, the, the greatest enemy of learning is, as the Pasuk says, in Shaiftim, bribery blinds. And the Rebbe used to say, he once did a whole talk about this, Parsha Shlach, it's in Lukut Yisichis 23, that the bribery that blinds, says, bribery blinds the eyes of the of the wise, of the sages, and it distorts the words of the righteous. But if I'm taking bribery, what 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 righteous person am I? What tzaddik or chacham am I? So therefore, Rashi and others struggle with these words. And one of the explanations in this, that bribery here is referring not only to money, to monetary bribery. Of course, that bribery is forbidden. But the Torah is cautioning us against a much deeper and more subtle, and in some ways, because it's more subtle, it's also more lethal and more dangerous bribery. And that's the bribery of what we call today confirmation bias. <laughs> you know what confirmation bias is? I'm looking not for truth. I'm looking to get a confirmation on my previous beliefs or my previous ideas. And we do this unconsciously. It's not necessarily I'm doing it because I'm a bad guy. No. Th- these are the beliefs I grew up with. It's beliefs about yourself, about your spouse, that you've had maybe for 30 years, for 20 years. So when I'm looking and examining a situation, I just want to fit it into my old bias. And my bias, I want it to be confirmed. So therefore... My views are by definition tainted. My lenses are already affected. And not that I'm trying to distort truth. It's just my mind is inclined towards a certain direction and I'm going to choose to see certain things and overlook other things. And we, we do this constantly. Confirmation bias is so deeply embedded in human nature as we know today. And this for the Torah warns against us. Some even want to argue that there's no way of getting out of it. How do you get out of confirmation bias? Or to put it in the language of chassidus, when the midos are involved in seichel, doesn't that affect the seichel? It becomes about a subjective search rather than an objective search. And is there even such a thing as an objective search? So therefore, when somebody becomes aware of this, at least you're aware of it, that the role of Seichel and Meichen is to always discover and rediscover and rediscover and dismiss the old for the sake of the new in the good sense that I want to always find a deeper level and another angle and another detail, etc. That's all the world of Seichel. The world of Midas, ooh, this is pre-verbal, pre-machshava, pre-Seichel, Zoba, Tike, Achid, Vitali, in the language of Zoya, are you talking here with the Pnimius? You're talking here with Dashroshab, Shutabetsam, and Nefesh. You're talking about my primal drives. There's no change. He says you could change 
You can change how it's expressed. You could change the software. You can't change the hardware. Even if you could change the hardware, you can't change the chip. And you have to be able to respect that in yourself. You have to be able to respect that in your spouse. You have to be able to respect it in your children. You have to be able to respect it in other people. These are not small changes. A person is saying, oh, you have these middas. Change them. If you're really in touch with your middas, this is who I am. And that's ultimately what we mean by middas. And that's why they're called middas. Middas means sizes. A middas is a size. It's basically, you know, they say suits come in different sizes. Souls come in different sizes. You could size up the soul through the midah. This sizes up the soul. As he puts it, he says, it represents klolos ha-nefesh. Klolos ha-nefesh ulufi oifrin sharsher makoire in bekava chesed This was page 144. It represents the, the, you could size up the soul, the, 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 the color of the soul. And some souls are rooted deeply in chesed. Some souls are rooted deeply in gvura. Some souls are rooted deeply in teferis, in netzach, in hoid, yisoyed malchus. This is not a detail. It's not a nuance. This is, he says, senem tarum And that's why every person has midas. The day you're born. Because you have a soul. And that's why midas is not something that belongs to a certain type of people. It's not like intelligence or education or certain skills with ability to reason. These are all things that, you know, were different and you can't expect it from a one-month-old one baby. Midas, he says, every person, even Ashaita, Chasidas, from the day you're born, because you're dealing here with I. And the I is there. The soul is there. And Midas are the primal drives of the soul, and it's deeper than any ideas I have. The question now that the Mimer has been developing was, don't we see that there's a whole element of Midas which we talk about as being guided, mentored, influenced, furthermore, being birthed, coming, to ex- coming into existence through Seichel and Machshava? And we have been explaining in the previous classes that there are those midas which we call today emotions, which we call emotions, hergation, where a person gets excited about something and it's often very visceral. It's often very palpable, very revealed. It's like, ooh, you're emotional now. Yes, I'm emotional. I'm feeling an emotion. Feeling, as I'm, and I mean feeling as feeling it, feeling it in my body. And these are always preceded by thoughts and by ideas. The thoughts are preceded by ideas. The ideas, of course, produce thoughts. <laughs> and every emotion could be traced back. And Seichel has a lot what to say there. And he started to explain that, number one, Seichel doesn't create the Midah. But Seichel is what allows the Midah to come out, to be birthed, to emerge in its full glory and full power. Seichel and Machshava, ideas and thoughts, bring out the Midah. They birth it like a mother births a baby. But what's the role of the midwife? 
The midwife doesn't create the baby. The midwife helps the baby come out. He says that's the role of Seichel. Seichel doesn't create the baby. Seichel is like the midwife that brings out the baby. Seichel is often compared to a mother, not a midwife. But even then, the mother doesn't create the soul of the baby. The mother facilitates it. The mother makes the arrangements, no no small feat. The embryo gets developed in her. But there's factors outside of mommy and tati, especially the soul. The Gemara says, person has three partners, right? Every person, there's the tati and mommy and God. Gimel Shutfen. Seichelo, so he says, it's like somebody who points out to you that in this and this room, in this and this cellar, there exists an oitzer, a gewaldic, a treasure that's going to change your life, and you run there with excitement. This person didn't create your desire for the treasure. This person didn't create the excitement. Yes, they did. They said it's there, and you started to run. It's like you'll tell the child the cotton candy is there, and the kid gets excited and starts running. You didn't create the desire for the cotton candy. The sweet tooth did. But you pointed it out. As long as he did not know that there's cotton candy there, or the adult did not know that there's a great treasure there, that excitement would have remained dormant. But because you pointed out, you labeled that place, and you said, hey, there's a lot of good stuff there that you think are good. So now my midas emerge in their full glory. I'm getting excited, either in the positive or in the negative. You could point out about danger, and then suddenly I'm experiencing repulsion or fear, sadness. I retreat. I want to go away from it. That's like gvura. Chesed is getting close. Gvura is getting far. So the seichel and the machshava channel the primal drives and apply it to certain realities in certain situations and allow it to emerge in a person's reality. Then there is deeper impact that Seichel has on Midas. And he went through the three stages of how our Midas develop. Ibur, Yenika, Meichel, a state we call pregnancy, a state we call nursing, a state we call full mature development. I connected it to what I think is connected to the three dimensions of the amygdala, the limbic brain, the prefrontal cortex. And the bottom line is, after everything, how does Seichel have any effect on Midas? When ultimately, we're saying that Midas are rooted in a much deeper and more authentic and real place in the soul than, than, than Seichel. Even the fact that Seichel, the fact that Seichel as he says, creates a development in the Midas, that certainly is strange. He says, even the fact that Seichel is like a Maramakam, because there's a few different aspects of this Maimur about how Seichel affects or influences or guides or mentors Midas. It's very intricate. But any step of the way, any way you look at it, even the most basic idea that Seichel can point a finger and say, there, and the Midas respond, my primal drives ultimately are affected by that, affected in the sense that they know where and how to be expressed as a result of Seichel. Seichel is the one that labels things and categorizes things. That itself is strange. Why does Midas have that uh, allegiance? How does Seichel get this capacity to own anything of the Midas? 
Now we continue, Seif Hey, page 147. Please open your source sheets. If you didn't do that yet, you can go to theyeshiva.net. And this class on the Miraglim, you could, uh, if you, you're going to watch it later, you can do a search of recent classes. We have recent classes. If you come in a few days or if you come later, it's going to be in, in, in the Miraglim. You could search Miraglim. And it's page 147. But now if you go to the homepage, you'll see Class Monday. And you open it up. And on top, there's view source sheets on top of the video. And below the video, there's download source sheets. who the explanation in all of this is. The first explanation. The You're right. Since Midas are so much deeper and higher than Meichen. Midas represent my primal, internal, pre-verbal, pre-machshava, pre-seichel drives. So therefore, really, seichel cannot have any effect. No ideas can affect Midas. This is so, so important to understand. This means that all the explanations in the world all the rationalizations in the world, all the justifications in the world, all the proofs in the world, will not affect Midois. It just can't be. Because Midois comes from an earlier version of me. <laughs> and what I mean by an earlier version, I don't mean an earlier version, literally an earlier version of me. You know, the way I was <laughs> in a different reincarnation. An earlier version of me means it comes from... A, a, a deeper version of me, a much deeper place in me. Seichel doesn't have access to it. Again, Seichel is what the soul possesses. Midas is what the soul is. It's very different, it's very different creatures. So Seichel is great, but it's a different world. The whole previous section in the Maimer and our previous classes explained how Seichel has an impact on Midas in terms of birthing them and revealing them every Mida, every emotion that you have, which can always be traced back to a primal drive, is ultimately emerging into the world, into your body, into your system, into your consciousness. Through ideas and thoughts, that's the fact. So true, the Midas and their source are beyond Seichel, but yet we see that Seichel impacts their flow, impacts even the way they're expressed, impacts what emerges, and as we learned before, also impacts the nature of the Midah itself, if it's going to be a state of Ibur, a state of Yenike, a state of Meichem, that's all true, he says, but Seichel will never touch or tamper or affect the Midah the way it is in its full intensity. The way the Midahs are, in their own primal state, it's impossible that Seichel will have an impact on them. Seichel has nothing to say. They can't, Seichel can't 
mitigate it or compromise it or dilute it. Only after the Midas go through a process of weakening. Only when Midas experience a chalishus. Chalishus in Hebrew means a weakness. They're not anymore shining in their full intensity. They're weak. Then, Seichel can kick in and affect them. Affect them in what sense? Is responsible for birthing the Midas from a place of concealment into a place of revelation and even for developing them. This is important to understand, and it's it's an obvious truth, also for another reason. Seichel is what's called an erpnimi. What does it mean, an erpnimi? A light that affects a person in an internalized fashion. And because it's a type of energy, what's called an erpnimi, one that enters into you in an internalized way, it's going to be explained, it's going to become clear in a moment. So this means, this, con- this brings us to the conclusion that the way Seichel affects things and a person is by becoming enclosed and manifested. But when your primal drives are so intense, they are primal, they are in their primal state. Then Seichel cannot become enclosed inside of them. Why? Because since Midas are opposite than Seichel, Seichel cannot become enclosed in them to become their very identity. But the way Seichel affects things is by, by it becoming the identity of that which it affects. That's what Erpnimi is. The only way Seichel can affect is by going in, by becoming part of that which it wants to affect. And when Midas Abetaykev, there's no way Seichel can do that. So when can Seichel do that? When can Seichel have a relationship with Midas? It's only Kashem Midas Emechlishus. When there's Midas a week, as Shaykh Gam Kinsha Seichel Yifal Alamidas. Then Seichel can affect them. Vahainu Shakashem Midas Embetak from when the Midas are intense. Hini Levadze Shemekach Seichel Yifal Alamidas. The fact is that Seichel simply doesn't have the capacity to affect them, and they have the expression in Yiddish. Because the Rebbe said the Maimorim in Yiddish, so they're written in Hebrew, but the, there's some Yiddish expressions that you cannot avoid, you cannot uh, ignore. The Rebbe said, Ez nit kem Seichel is not a balabas on the Midas. Midas don't show their allegiance, they're not subservient to Seichel. On the contrary, they'll teach Seichel, they're not going to allow Seichel to teach them. Hine oizas is another point. Sheena Seichel nimtzebehem klal. It's not just Seichel doesn't have what to say because you're not my boss. Midas, my primal drives, don't, will not surrender to Seichel. They come from a deeper place. You're not my boss. It's like I was in this office before you were born. <laughs> you come in now, Seichel comes in now, you came too late, my dear. 
Seichel, seichel, the translation of Seichel is an idea, ideas, and, and Midas are the primal drives of a person. So he says, so, so here we have two things. Number one, Seichel is not a balabas. You're not my balabas. You're not, Midas turns to Seichel and says, huh? Midas is saying, you're not my master. You're not my boss. I'm not listening. I don't have to listen to you. I was in the. I was in this. I've been running this company in the office, you know, before you were born. <laughs> Seichel, Seichel comes in. He's a big shot. He's a very big analyst. He understands things. Midas looks and says, "You ain't the boss in this area." When it comes to me, the person Midas is Midas says, "You know, I I predate you. I'm I'm an earlier version." <laughs> so Midas is using Seichel to prove to. If anything, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how to think. You won't tell me how to feel. <laughs> right. So that's number one. Number two, here he adds, there's something deeper. It's not only that Seichel is not a balabas on the Midas, the way they are in their primal form. It's that the Seichel is not even present in them. Why? Because Seichel comes out only in a way of Pnimius, which means in a way that the recipient actually absorbs it within its identity. Therefore, only when the Midas are not in their primal state, and therefore they are not in their original intensity, they have been mitigated, they have been diluted, they have been compromised, they have become weakened. Now, Seichel can impact them. Now the Seichel can actually be present in them, find expression through them. And not just be present, but affect them. What he's saying here is as follows. Midas in their primal state, Seichel can't do anything. Sorry, there's nothing you can do. For two reasons. First of all, Midas originate in a deeper space of the eye. And therefore, Seichel, so to speak, is a runner-up. <laughs> he came in second. He didn't come in first. Number two can't tell number one what to do. Number, the Midas come from a deeper place in the eye. And therefore... They have the staying power. They own. They own my life much in a much more real way. So Seichel could come and try to give opinions and give perspectives and sound very eloquent. But it's not going to reach the place of the Midah. What is even more, he said, it's not just Seichel is not a balabas. In the real world of Midas, there's no such a thing as Seichel. It doesn't exist. It's not like we're, we're competing who's the owner, and you're saying, you've got to listen to me, and I'm saying, I don't got to listen to you. It's much deeper than that. In the world of primal Midas, he says, Seichel doesn't exist. <laughs> it's not just you're not a balabas, you're a nobody, you don't even exist. Your reality has never reached me. It's so much more rich. It's not just the primal drives tell Seichel, sorry, I was here before I run this show. I run this guy's life. <laughs> this is me. Right? Don't mess with my genes. This is, this is who you are. I'm here before you. No, it's much more than that. That's true. But it's much deeper than that. 
The Midas don't even know that there's such a thing as Seichel. In the world of real Midas, he says, Seichel doesn't even exist. Not only does it not have a say, you know, sometimes you'll have an argument between people. There'll be a court, and you have different jurors, different judges, everyone has different perspectives. You may be proven wrong. You know, you may have a board meeting, and different people have different opinions, different perspectives. You may be proven wrong, or they may reject your opinion, but they listen to your opinion. Here, he says, Midas doesn't even listen to Seichel. The Seichel doesn't exist in its world. What's the proof of this? So it's a very, very subtle, very, very deep idea. The way Seichel influences is what's called in the language of Chabad Hasidus Erpnimi. Erpnimi means there's two ways of influencing. One is called power, and one is called influence. Power is the idea that for whatever reason, I have a mastery over another person. Let's say a commander-in-chief and the soldiers. And I say, go. So you go. I'm right. I'm wrong. You agree with me. You don't agree with me. In an army, if you're going to wait till every soldier agrees with every commandment of the commander during the war, during a war, Khalila, you're not going to be able to run an army. There's a hierarchy, yeah? The same is true in every institution, every company. There's the person who makes the decisions. The people under may agree. They may not agree. <clears throat> That's not what Seichel is. That's called Rotzen. That's how Rotzen works. This is what I want. This is what you're going to do. The idea of Seichel is you can't command your students to understand what you're saying. I told you to understand. I could command a soldier to go. To go from, move from this position to this position. To go to this and this place and try to fulfill this and this task. But if I'm using Seichel, the idea of Seichel is I'm trying to make you understand that you should go because of you, not because of me. That's what Seichel is. That's called Erpnimi. There's Er Makif and Erpnimi. There's an energy that I give to you, but it's one that is above you. It doesn't become part of you. Erpnimi means a type of energy where I'm not here to instruct, I'm here to explain. They tell a story that Herman Wook, you remember the late Herman Wook, who passed away not long ago, I think at the age of 106. He authored This Is My God, Cain's Mutiny, many, many classic works, was one of the great literary figures of the United States of America in the 20th century, in the beginning of the 21st century. So Herman Wook... Exodus? Exodus? Yeah, Exodus. Yeah. Herman Wook was... Uh, he lived in uh, Palm Springs. And uh, he just passed away. He was 106. He was a Yid who was a Torah observant Jew. You know, one of... And he's really one of the pioneers in the 50s where he wrote a book, This Is My God. He really introduced, you know, authentic Torah Judaism to an audience that was... That was really very, it was a very unique effort those days. So Herman Wook had a relationship with the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And I saw once, or I heard from him once, I don't remember, many years ago, that he once asked the Rebbe in the 1950s. He says, Lubavitcher Rebbe, when he was realizing the vision and the dream of the Rebbe to, to change America and to change the world, he said, Lubavitcher Rebbe, this is the 50s, you have to remember, that Judaism, especially Orthodox Judaism, was completely on the defense, mamash on the defense. And, 
and not very successful. <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it was lose, losing its adherence daily. And assimilation was growing then. I mean, it's, it's important to understand, you know, 1950s intermarriage in America was very, very small numbers. But in the 1960s, everything changed. And then certainly the 70s, never mind the 80s. But this is in the 50s. He says, Lubavitcher Rebbe, do you really think you can tell the American youth what to do? Do you think you're going to tell them what to do? The Rebbe looked at him and he said, the American youth, you can't tell to do anything. <laughs> you can explain to them to do everything. You can't tell them to do anything. You can explain to them to do everything. Or you can show them. That's the difference. Seichel works in a way that I'm not going to, fo- I'm not here to force you. I'm here to explain. And that's what a real class is. What's, what's the idea of transmitting ideas? Transmitting ideas means if it's my idea and it's not your idea, I didn't transmit it. Seichel is something, if I explain something and you got it, you agree with me, now it's yours as much as it's mine. Now you can become a teacher of it. That's how Seichel works. Seichel doesn't work by commanding you, by nullifying you, by disregarding you. No. Seichel works in a way, this is called Ur Pnimi. It's an Ur that goes into your Pnimius. It becomes Malubish in you. In other words, it becomes part of your identity. See, that's the only way Seichel works. So he says, it's not just that Seichel is not a Balabas on Midas. It's not even present in the world of Midas. Because the only way Seichel has an influence is when it becomes part of that thing that it impacts. And the Midas are completely in a different world. They're opposite of the Seichel. So the seichel is not becoming the midah. So the seichel doesn't even show up in the life of the midah. So the seichel doesn't even show up. Sometimes the seichel is not a master. Seichel doesn't even exist in the world of primal drives. Of primal drives in the world of real midahs. Seichel not only doesn't have a say because it's weak, it doesn't even show up. <laughs> it doesn't even exist. And that's why when people start negotiating themselves or other people out of their primal drives, it's so futile because it's a complete lack of respect and understanding of what your primal drives are like. And people try to do this. They do try to do it with themselves. They do it with their spouses. They do it with their kids. I'm going to negotiate with you to get rid of your things that are a part of who you are. So therefore, whenever we speak about the impact of Seichel on Midas, says the Rebbe, it's only when the Midas are in a weaker state. When they are in their prime, (laughs) prime grill, when they are in their prime grill, in their prime intensity, in their primal state, you know, you say a person in his prime, in her prime, when the Midas are in their prime, Seichel can't get close. Everything we talk about, Seichel affecting Midas, it's in a stage where Midas are much weaker. When the Midas are weak, in other words, that intensity is not there. There, It's not there. That primal sense of this is who I am has become weakened. Now they're vulnerable to the impact of Midas, to the impact of Seichel. Which brings us to a much deeper, deeper question. Granted, Zolzai, 
You're not touching Midas in their prime. Okay. When they're weaker and they're more vulnerable, now they allow, Seichel now could yield its influence and can arrive in their space and, so to speak, impact them. Affect their maturity, affect their development, affect their birthing in all the ways that Seichel affect Midas. But we now come to a much more primal question. That Sivov, 147, the last paragraph. We're still now with a major question. You explain to me that when my midos are weakened, then Seichel can affect them and impact them. But I want to understand this itself. How do Midas go through this process of becoming weakened? What happens? What happens to this primal state of my drives that it goes through a process where it loses its intensity, it loses its originality, it loses its connection with the source. It's much weaker and therefore more vulnerable. The E of Shalima, you can't say, that maybe this is also part of the impact of your mind as the mind develops intellectually. It weakens the We just explained in this whole Mimer that when Midas are in their prime, Seichel can't enclose itself in them and therefore can't affect them. So how do Midas become weak that Seichel could impact them? You can't tell me that itself comes from Seichel because as we said, for Midas in their prime to be affected by Seichel is impossible. So how does what creates this weakness in Midas that the Seichel could now come in and influence them? And here the Maimer comes to its final idea. This next piece, we come to the final idea of understanding what Seichel does to Midas. How is there a weakness in Midas? And with this, everything comes full circle, Be'ezer Hashem, and we'll be able to appreciate the full picture, which will then allow us to understand the deeper conflict between the ten spies and the two spies, if you can go on Teretz Yisrael, you can't go on Teretz Yisrael. <laughs> Which was really a fight, not just about geography, and not just about the physical story of going into the land, but really a question about the future of civilization in the terms of what we can expect and not expect in human development. Seichel is Chachma bin Adas, Chachma bin Adas is three stages in the cognitive experience. And then there is Midas, which are associated with Chesed, Gvura, Teferis, Netzachayd Yisait. Question. Right. The explanations, rationalizations, will never affect original individual Midas or general human Midas. Right, that's correct. That's what we're saying. Any idea then how to negotiate with Midas when they are in first gear 
Great question. So the point that we're learning now, till now, till now, there's still going to be another major point in this Mimer. You have to respect your Midas in their primal state. You have to respect them. These are my primal drives. I cannot change them. I could learn about them. I could see how they're being channeled. I can learn about my needs, my yearnings, my longings, my desires. I could see, right, what those needs are and how they, I, and how in my experience they're being met. That's a very important process. Because what often happens is, let's go back to that idea we discussed, uh, I think, two classes ago. Every time you have an interaction with somebody and you're feeling as a result emotionally, emotional, in the positive or in the negative, I'll give an example from the negative because just unfortunately that people relate to immediately. Say your wife tells you something or your husband tells you something and you're feeling a, a reaction. You're upset. You're angry. You're very uncomfortable. There was a thought that preceded it. There was an idea that preceded it. Why did that idea and that thought get you so angry? So you'll say, well, uh, I feel that, the wife will tell you, I feel that I'm, I'm married to somebody that uh, it, it limits my life. It really limits my life. And as a result of that, it makes it very difficult for me. What is it that limits what is it? And if the person goes into it, they'll be able to see what that machshava told them, what that thought told them that produced such an intense emotion. But why does it produce such an intense negative emotion? What's causing that thought to produce such a negative emotion? Why can't you just say, okay, this is what the person is doing to my life, and you know what? I'll enjoy it. And the answer is, the machshava is getting fed from Amida from a primal drive, I need something. This is who I am. In this machshava is manifested my mida, my primal drive, that's telling the machshava that it's being compromised and the machshava is trying to facilitate and trying to bring to the fore that this is a danger zone. This person, your husband, your wife, whoever it is, stranger, is really compromising your primal drive. Your primal drive is in danger now. It can't be. That's what's happening. And that's why there's such an intense reaction. So it came through Seichel, it came through Machshava, but it's really fueling, it's channeling your ultimate midos, which are deeper than Seichel and Machshava. There's an expression in Tanya, in Shara Yichud, chapter 9, I think, that Bechol Mida, Bechol Machshava Melubeshes Mida. Every thought that we have has a primal drive that's feeding it. Every machshava that you have has a primal drive that's in it. When I'm, when I'm thinking something about another person, when I'm thinking something about an experience, when I'm thinking even about myself, certainly about myself, another person, and those thoughts are going to lead to certain emotional reactions. There is, in that machshava, there is a mida, a primal drive that's fueling it. That's the engine behind it. So when I become aware of that, I suddenly start realizing, what is it that I'm looking for? What is it that I'm trying to avoid? What is it that I'm afraid of most? What is it that I want most? 
And then I could say, is this person really the contradiction to that? Is this person really going to help that? The moment I become self-aware of all that, I can do so many things to make life much better. But you have to become aware of it. So at this stage, you're not trying to change your primal drives. You're trying to respect them and see how they're impacting your life on a day-to-day basis and how to create a much more seamless flow. Like the Alter Rebbe explains in Amayimah, God opens the Yuds. The Yud is the smallest letter which represents condensing. The energy gets condensed. He opens the Yud. He opens the restrictions because the Yud is, the energy is, is becomes contracted and restricted. Tzimtzum. And he satiates every living being with his or her own Ratzin. In other words, he allows your Ratzin to flow through your Yud. Yud is Chachma. He opens your Yud. And he allows you to experience your actual Ratzin. In other words, to allow your thoughts to become aligned, to become channels of what you really want, of what your inner, inner drives are. So you can see it, and you could see the connection, and then you could be, you could be wholesome. Because my primal drive, I can't change, I can't alter, I'm not supposed to alter. Next question. Are our midas the same thing as our core wants? In this memory, he explains that the midas are those core wants. In a way, he said it's even deeper than want earlier. What determines a primal's, a person's primal midas to begin with? Is it genetics? Is it your soul's journey? Is it your soul's nature? Also, where does nurture come in? Environment, education, life experience, parental influence. Do they only have an impact on the level of machshava? Influencing thought patterns and subsequent expression of those midas? Does that mean that we can only change our awareness, thoughts and behavior, but never our essential instinctive character? Good question, good question. Very good question, nice. Beautiful question. So the answer is, let's go through your questions. What determines a person's primal midas? Earlier in the Mimer he said, it's the nature of your soul. It's your soul, and therefore your soul's journey. You say, is it genetics? Yes, it's going to become expressed in genetics as well. Remember, this is the key rule. Biology and spirituality are not separated. (laughs) The body and the soul are not two distinct realities that happen to make this weird shidduch. The body is a mirror of the soul. The soul is the soul, the engine, the life of the body. So my genetics, your genetics, your DNA sequence, and your genes are really simply formed in the pattern of your soul. The color of your genes, I'm using the word color just as an allegory, the color of your genes reflects the color of your soul. Because our genes are the divine personal imprint of our individual identity. Your DNA sequence is God's choice to create you. 
And that's why there's no two people alike. And it's one of the great wonders of creation. You have two people, grew up in the same family, same parents. You have two twins. Twins. Mamish twins. They're still different. Sometimes their personalities are so different, even if they look almost the same, and strangers won't recognize the difference. But we know there's always a difference. That is a mirror of your soul. So yes, it's genetics. But the genetics begins with the deeper place of genetics. It's your spiritual genetics. That determines it. It says in Zoya that Beishamai, whoever joined the, joined the school of Shammai, their souls came from the chamber of Gvura. Those who joined the soul of the, the house of Hillel, Beis Hillel, their, their souls came from Chesed. You know, it says in Kabbalah, there's a lot of different customs between Sephardim and Ashkenazim. It has to do with their souls. It's not just... I grew up in the Mediterranean country. I grew up in an Ashkenazi country. They came from Spain. They come from Germany. They came from France. They came from Portugal. They came from Greece. They came from Ukraine. <laughs> yes, that's the geography of it. But there's also the spirituality of it. My soul is rooted in a space that needs this custom. You know, I got to eat rice on Pesach. I'm not saying you have to eat rice on Pesach. Even a Sephardi doesn't have to eat rice on Pesach. But the point is that the different customs and traditions don't only begin with geography. They begin with soul differences. So now you're asking a question. What about nurture? What about life experiences? What about environment? What about education? What about schooling? What about community? What about siblings? What about the house you grew up in? What about parenting? <laughs> The answer is, the way we're learning the Mimer now, again, we're still going to have to get to the last inning, they have an impact on the level of Machshava. They influence my thought patterns, and therefore they influence the subsequent expression of those Midas, as you put it. Yes. So I can change my awareness, I can change my thoughts, I can change my behaviors. Can I change my essential midos, my essential instinctive characters, what we're calling primal drives? No. Isn't it true that a person is fully able to control midos through rationality? No. No. When it says in Tanya that the Benini has control over the midos, it's talking about that the Benini is in control of thoughts and words and actions. But here we're talking about Midas as as a person's, how do we say it? Innermost. Innermost primal drives. They're not bad. Those Midas are not bad. On the contrary. They're very good. They're very special. But they need to be channeled. In the, uh, channeled, yeah. They have to be channeled. And as he said in the beginning of the Mimer, you have to go back to the beginning, that when we speak about the fact that a person is created to work on their midas, it's working on how they're channeled, how they're expressed, how they're being manifested. The primal midas are not, they're never bad. They're never bad. They can come out, they can come out in ways that can be destructive. That's where I have to work on the channeling. It's a very good example. You have a soul that's very much rooted in gvura. Right? And the way it's channeled, 
the way my machshava is channeling it and what I'm experiencing could be a lot of anger or aggression or resentment or a lot of negative energy, maybe hatred, maybe animosity. You know, I'm angry at the world, I'm angry at people, I, I hate people. It could be channeled through meanness, I'm mean, I'm rude, I'm obnoxious. It could be channeled through selfishness. <laughs> you know, we learn about Yitzchak and Esau, both were Gvura. But Yitzchak was a very gentle soul. <laughs> Yitzchak was not an angry, angry man. What did, what did he do with his intensity? What did he do with his Gvura? It could be expressed in a very, very different way. The person could be extremely kind and quiet. And you don't see that aggression and meanness. Why? Not because they're not gvura. They are gvura. But actually because they're aware of what their primal drive is and the way it's fed and the way it's, it's nurtured and the way it's facilitated is through means that are actually much more healing and much more productive and much more meaningful to the person. But they still didn't change the core. Uh, so when we say that the Midas effect is affected by Seichelis, it's only the way the Midas already go through a process of becoming weak. Midas in their prime, the Seichel won't touch. The way the Midas are already not in their primal state, in a weaker state, here, Seichel can indeed have a tremendous impact. As you said, Seichel brings it out, Seichel reveals, Machshava reveals, birth, gives birth to it, not birth to it, that it creates it, doesn't create it, but gives birth to it, as we said, Seichel points out, hey, you see that? Danger zone. You see that? Good zone. And the Midoy suddenly emerge. They're, in other words, they're listening to Seichel. They're listening to Machshava. But that's only the way the Midas went through a weakening process. The way they're, when you're in touch with Midas in their prime, prime state, he says Seichel has no say. So now the question is, so how does Seichel get ever a say? How do Midas go through this process? How do Midas ever open themselves up to become weaker if Seichel has no influence on them? That's going to be the last piece of the Mimer that we're going to continue, Bezer Hashem, Thursday morning, 7.30 a.m. And tomorrow I'm away, so tomorrow there's no, usually we have Tuesday a women's class, but tomorrow, Tuesday, 9.45, there's no women's class. We're going to resume the next year on this Mimer, Bezer Hashem, Thursday, 7.30 a.m. Question. Aren't there some Midas that find very specific expression? Such are found in marital reactions. But the Benini manages to fully and directly control the Midas. If you can unmute. Oh, you mean mute? You mean mute, mute. The problem is you can't control the Midas. If the Midas are unmuted, there's no way to mute the Midas. Okay, everybody, have a beautiful day and a meaningful day. And a great day. Thank you for joining us. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.